the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we begin, I'm going to ask you to turn the front of your bulletin. We're going to use the icon of the Holy Family today to help us, to allow the Lord to show us what He wants to show us today. So just have that handy. God became man so that man might become like God. Another way of stating that, God took on the fallen nature of man so that the fallen nature would be given the opportunity to rise up again anew and to take on the divine nature of God, to become like Him, to be complete and whole again as God is, and to experience His salvation. This is the teaching of St. Athanasius. St. Athanasius was a deacon at the time of the Council of Nicaea, in the, roughly in the 4th century. And he taught on the Incarnation. In fact, he gave us the theology of the Incarnation that not only do we as Orthodox, but so many in the Christian faith share in our understanding of how God redeems us and saves us. It would be St. Athanasius who would teach this. And he would go on to teach more about this in describing precisely what God did to redeem us all. He would teach us that Christ took on our human nature, our fallen human nature, at every point of the fallen human existence. That is, He took on our human nature at His very conception, at His birth, at His infancy, at His toddlerhood, at His childhood, in His teenage life, in His adult life, and even unto death. He would take on the fallen human nature. St. Athanasio says he did so at every stage of human life. So that every stage of human life, at every stage of human life, the human person might experience him and find salvation. This is the extent to which God went to save us. You see, when Christ, the one who is divine, joins himself to anything that is fallen. When he joins himself to anything that is fallen, that can be redeemed and made new again because he joined himself to it out of his immeasurable love for us. Today we're going to look at another part of the human experience and human existence that was in need of salvation. That is, that it was in need of being made whole again by Christ joining Himself to it. And what is that? Family life. That's what this Mass of the Holy Family is all about. To explore and see and be encouraged to become what Christ has now offered because He joined Himself to a family in the fallen nature that He might redeem family life itself. This is why when we pray the colic that we prayed today for this Mass, the one that collects our thoughts about what this is all about, we prayed these words. They're the very words of a theology of incarnation. We prayed, O Lord Jesus Christ, who by being subject to Mary and Joseph has consecrated home life with ineffable virtues. Granted with the help of both, we may be instructed by the example of thy holy family and attain to its eternal fellowship. 
Christ subjected by His will, subjected Himself to be a child of a family, to live and dwell in all of those years in a family. Why? To consecrate it. To give family life an opportunity because He would join Himself to all of our families who are in Him. And grow us within the families in the very virtues of our Lord Jesus Christ. How far did Christ go to offer salvation? How much did He stack the deck in the favor of His beloved creation, humanity? By subjecting Himself to human parents that were in need of salvation. To subject Himself to sufferings that a family would endure. To live in them. To have the full human experience of family life and yet join it to the divine so that our family life might become divine. And when I say family, I want you to think in two aspects. I want you to think of two things. Your family life in your home. Your family life in extended family as well. But don't forget this. This is family life. I'm not called father because it's a cute term. And St. Paul didn't call them my spiritual children because nice little ones. It's because God is family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the church is family and relates as family. So I want you to think when Christ consecrated family life, your own homes, your extended family, but also this family which the blood of Christ runs through. And I say that he suffered with family, that he endured the suffering of families. Think about what this family suffered. When Jesus was born, don't forget, we just celebrated this. King Herod, threatened by his existence that he would steal his kingship, what did he do? He ordered the death, the execution of all male children, two years old and under, all in that area, trying to kill off the one that threatened him. Joseph and Mary and this little child had to leave everything that they knew, everyone that they knew, and go to a foreign land, go into Egypt for a time. You don't think that caused pain? Well, let's go one step further with that scene. What do you think Joseph and Mary were going through hearing that all of these male children, two and under, had been killed on account of their son? That was suffering. And our gospel teaches us today that Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus in with a caravan into Jerusalem for one of the major feasts that they were to celebrate. And they get back in that caravan, they leave after the feast had been celebrating, they travel three days. Guess who they forgot? Oops. Every parent's nightmare. Three days. Can you imagine their anxiousness and concern and pain and guilt? Of parents who left this child, they went through this. They went through, we go through this. I left Jesse at church in New Orleans and drove 20 minutes away before I remembered. I go through this. <laughs> it took a year of counseling for this kid, but we got him past it. <laughs> but we go through suffering. Jesus suffered. The family unit suffered. The family unit, this family unit we speak of, Joseph, Mary, our Lord Jesus Christ. They would suffer the death of a beloved father, Joseph. 
You don't see Joseph in Jesus' adult life. We don't know when. Let's, let's assume somewhere around. We know at 12 years old Joseph was still around. So let's assume it was in his teenage years. A teenager. Yes, God. But totally having taken on our broken humanity. Our fallen nature. You don't think he suffered the loss of Joseph when Joseph died? The caretaker of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the caretaker of himself that he subjected himself to? What about the sufferings of a mother who loses a child? The Blessed Virgin Mary. We remember the seven wounds, the seven swords that pierced her heart by prophecy. A mother loses her child, not only that, watches this child die in an excruciating way and suffers with the one she loves so much. This family suffered. I want you to think about this again. Our Lord Jesus Christ subjected himself to this fallen world, subjected himself to fallen family life. For God never intended suffering in families. But he subjected himself to endure it. Why? That family life itself might be redeemed and made new again. And what does the renewed, made new family life look like? Well, we see it in a couple of ways this morning. One, you see it in the icon that is in front of you. You also see it in the reading of the teaching of St. Paul which is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians in chapter 3. And though he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to family life. So as I read St. Paul's words from our epistle reading, I ask you to look at that icon the whole time. See if you see the description of a holy family, the virtues of a holy family, the nature of a holy family in that icon. And then I know it's hard for some of us, but may I ask you to multitask? While you're considering the icon of the Holy Family, I want you to consider two other families. I want you to consider your own. I want you to consider your marriages, your relationship with your children, children's relationship to one another, sibling relationships, extended family. I want you to consider your earthly families. Does what Paul described where are we in becoming what Paul describes as the redeemed family? And the last family I want you to consider is us here at St. Peter. How are we? So when I read these words, look at the icon and think of these things. And let's examine them in just a moment. St. Paul writes of the family of God. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, to be thankful. 
admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Does this icon fit the virtues that are described here? Do you see tenderness? Do you see meekness? Do you see humility? Do you see peace? Do you see love? I see that all in that beautiful icon as every one of them is gesturing toward one another, not away from one another. So let me ask you this. No, let me tell you this. Everything you heard in this description of the very virtues of our Lord, and because of that, every one of these virtues in this blessed passage is precisely what God has given all of our families in our homes the ability to become and the ability to enjoy if we will but cooperate with Him, if each in the family will live a life of repentance that is presenting themselves to God and saying, Lord, how am I not meek? Show me when I am unforgiving. Show me when I lack faithfulness. Show me when I lack love. Show me when I lack tenderness. That I might display that in my home. If every family member in a home will do such a thing, the grace of God will come and flood you. You will hear, you will feel and sense and experience the forgiveness of God. You will see your own redemption. The result of your redemption will pour out into the family home. And your husbands, your wives, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts, and your uncles will experience God and all of His virtues through each and every one of you. And that means that each and every one of you in that family enjoys God forever and forever begins now. This is what Christ subjected Himself to so that we might enjoy and be blessed with these things. And I know many of you sitting here, because you talk to me, I know that many of you do not have home, you do not come from homes, that is, that were filled with Christ. And you've told me that, and I want you to know that I pray for your extended families. And if you have not let me know that your family doesn't know Christ, please do, because I promise you I will pray for them. And the ones that did not come from a Christian home, how much all the more is it important that they experience this in the family of God, which is no different than the home. In fact, the home is an extension of it. Now we turn our attention to St. Peter, Orthodox Church, our fellowship, our family here. How are we? Are we living out tenderness toward one another? Are we living out mercy toward one another? Are we holding our tongue so that we dare not harm a beloved brother and sister in Christ? Are we forgiving one another, not if, but when someone in this family offends us? Families offend one another all the time. I always find it fascinating how when families in our homes offend one another drastically, sometimes more drastically than somebody in the body of Christ ever could, we still stick together. For some reason it seems harder to come to forgiveness for somebody outside of our family that does things to us. The reality is, I say it again, this is as much as, if not more, the very family of God because, as I said before, the blood of Christ runs through us. 
We must live like this toward one another. Are we, how are we doing? I'm going to give you my thoughts on that, but I ask you to explore it. It's actually amazing to me that come February 6th, I will have already been here six years and I feel like I've blinked. Six years that, that God has given me the blessing of becoming part of this precious family. Giving you to me and me to you. And I tell you, I look back on six years and I entered in to a loving community that had held together through many tough circumstances. A blessed community. And yet, even as blessed as it was six years ago, I look in all of your lives and I see how you live towards one another six years later. And I see us becoming this. I see an increase of love, mercy, tenderness, forgiveness, all the things that are mentioned, peace. We're not there yet. We're always not there yet. But my friends, do be encouraged on the one hand that God has done so much among us. But also protect this. We must live each as individuals, just like I said in the home, always placing ourselves before our Lord Jesus Christ to become these things. Because that is our salvation. And if we will press into Christ in that repentant life and become these things, not only do we protect what God has consecrated, what Christ has consecrated by becoming part of the family, we not only protect it, we perpetuate it. And not only do we perpetuate it, but the world outside sees God in the way that we love one another. What does Scripture say? They will know we are Christians by what? Our love. Christ lowered himself, lowered himself to take on the nature of fallen family, that he might consecrate it to himself and make it holy again. And so let us live a life of praying, O Lord Jesus Christ, who by being subject to Mary and Joseph has consecrated home life with ineffable virtues, granted with the help of both. We may be instructed by the example of thy holy family and attain to its eternal fellowship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.